one. All right, welcome back to There Will Be Banter. We have to replace the gun-toting, lovable, liberal Veronica this week, and I've decided to do so with the, uh, you know, self-professed wino, Maddie Houghton. How are you doing, ma'am? There she is with the glass of wine. Oh, and we have the, you know, pretty average civilian reporter, Christina Wong, drinking, drinking the eraser, as she calls it. So good. Look at her. There she goes. And then we have the retired CIA spook, Ron Moeller. How are you, sir? Uh, imbibing. That's the right answer. As we shall tonight, we got a, a solid Eagle Rare pick from my bourbon group that I haven't seen in 10 months because of, hey, it's 2020, so we can't. Um, but we have a solid episode for you tonight. 2020 continues to roll on as it has taken the life of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg over the past week. And then we will also touch on a story involving a Marine Corps veteran who took his life after some interesting circumstances leading up to that in Omaha, Nebraska. But first, we get started, as I said, with the passing of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And as predicted, the, uh, the show must go on. The president has announced he will, he will nominate her replacement this Saturday, and he states that it will be a woman. But before we get into all of that, let's come to Maddie as she introduces herself to the There Will Be Banter audience. What were your thoughts when you learned of the passing of Supreme Court Justice Ginsburg? Oh, gosh. Well, I... Um devastated would be a, a maybe a little bit dramatic but i mean i certainly was absolutely disheartened and saddened to see her pass she was such a warrior she was such a fighter she survived i think four bouts of cancer in various forms she fought tirelessly for 60 years um to further advance justice within this country and i i will pull i'll, I'll say this personally as a woman I was just kind of going through and reviewing her career. I've been a big fan of hers. The notorious RGB, as she's often referred to. Is it RBG? Um, what's that? RBG. RBG? Did I, did I mess that up? RGB. You said No! That. Oh, no. You know why? I had a conference call earlier today with a gentleman who said, I'm colorblind. I can't see shit on your slides. So you need to, yeah, okay. Yeah, so Roy G. Did. That was probably the what that notorious was. RBG. There you go fabulous woman. I mean, this, she, by the time she left the ACLU, she had wiped off 200 laws that had discriminate, that were basically discriminate, discriminatory on the books, not only for men, but women. Um, and I just started researching, do some like really cool, like to see what she, she's done for us. Um, if she had not come along potentially and fought how she did, as a woman, I would not be able to have things like credit cards in my name. I would not be able to have a mortgage without a male co-signer. I would be just potentially discriminated against um, uh, for a job that I would go after. And I, and I work as an executive in the wine field. So that could be very true on the basis of sex. And I could also be fired from a job uh, if I got pregnant. Not that we're thinking about that anytime soon, Eric. Um, so, so I think my thought was when she passed, like not only how much she's done for this country, but just thinking like, God, what a horrible time that this came about. And her last, I believe 
I don't know if it was her last dying wish or if it was something that she had voiced in the days leading up to her death, but that she, her dying wish this was that she would not be replaced until after the election. So in honor of all the things that she has done for me and my fellow womankind and, and you guys as well, I think she oftentimes took, took cases, uh, male plaintiffs that she fought for mm -hmm. um, to kind of point the, the discriminatory direction back around on the legal justice system and say, hey, like this discrim these discriminatory laws don't just apply to women, they also apply to males as well. So she would often take t um, male plaintiffs and defend them, um, or not defend them, but- um, Represent, represent. Represent, thank you, represent gotcha. them. Yeah, and so on, I figured since she's done so much for us that I would write uh, our Senator, Dianne Feinstein out here in California, who is the member of the Judiciary Committee and basically ask her to um, represent me in whatever petition that she would bring to the Judiciary Committee, specifically um, Senator Majority Leader Mitch McConnell to delay the confirmation till after the election. And she actually responded, well, one of her minions responded, right? Or it was automated. And she said, now, if I can just take a little bit of time and quote what she wrote to me. She said, our country has lost a truly amazing woman with the passing of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She was a trailblazing woman, once in a generation, legal mind and a passionate champion for the rights of all Americans. In her over 27 years on the Supreme Court, she was known as a liberal lion, but also a passionate, compassionate judge who understood the plight of everyone who came before the court. She will be missed by a grateful nation. So those are my thoughts. Okay, no, she's right. Uh, you know, I, I put down a few highlights. So 1996, there was the case of the, US, the United States versus Virginia. State schools that were funded were still able to exclude women prior to that, which is kind of hard to imagine. 1996, we were in high school during that time. Um, oh, Maddie and I were. I know, Ron, you weren't. You were over there killing terrorist or well i don't know not 96 who knows who knows what's the ball the balkans yeah you're in the balkans anyway uh the women at the time as you mentioned they couldn't have a mortgage or bank account with a signature that was that didn't have a male signature um prior to the equal credit opportunity act of 1974 and then of course her impact on pop culture uh however that being said uh ron you probably remember her appointment what did what was your thoughts yeah not only on the appointment, I guess, when that happened, but what was well, your just I think your, it, your takeaway? Yeah. Well, I think it's important to remember which president appointed her. Ronald Reagan. That's right, Ronald Reagan. Wow, go get the he appointed the liberal lion, and <laughs> that was the and that was the second woman appointed to the Supreme Court. Sandra Day O'Connor. He, he appointed. That's right. He appointed the first one, who people sort of like. Yeah, 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 Sandra Day, okay. But RBG, oh gosh, yes. Mm-hmm, uh-huh. She's all that in the bag of chips. I get all that. I mean, and I don't discount her uh, her, her long, lengthy uh, career. She did a tremendous job. She contributed a lot to uh, U.S. jurisprudence and to uh, reversing or eliminating discrimination across the board, not just for for mm -hmm. American female citizens, but for the males as well. Um, yeah, I know all those, all those gender in, indecisive people that watch the podcast now are going to get upset. Um, Cause it's a vast amount. <laughs> <laughs> well, just the Spotify people. Yeah. I'm big and, on the pronouns. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm not going to worry about that. Um, I'm too old and set in my ways. Um, yeah, but I, I think what I find interesting is, well, first off, I, the, uh, this, this reported dying wish, you know, 
you know, RBG was a great, great believer in the Constitution. I, I think that's one of the reasons her and Justice Scalia got along so well and, and had such a had a had a good friendship, both, you know, professionally and personally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I you know they were at opposite, opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, well, they were, oh, but, that's, but, that's but, but in the, uh, as, but as people, they, they got along really super well, according to, by, by all accounts. Um, I just find it interesting that supposedly this, this dying wish thing, you know, I, I I'm sure what she really said was, please, you know, disregard the constitution and, and let's wait until after the election. So, you know, I can, I can make up for the mistake of, of not, you know, retiring during the, Obama administration um, thing. Sorry, I just have to throw that out there. <laughs> I mean, but what, but what I find most interesting is, is you know, and, and and I just had to throw that you know and, and grenade in the pond. But is is the reaction of the rest of the people out there, the uh, the left, you know, basically threatening to do what they're doing already, but just taking it nationwide and blowing up the country. If, you know, they don't get their way, it's, you know, it's like, if I just find that amazing. Yeah. And I, I get where you're coming from and I understand it, but I knew this was good. I think I said this in the, in the group chat immediately when this happened, it was like, all right, well, this is just going to be a repeat of when president Obama tried to nominate Merrick Garland, but that happened in March. Uh, there was still essentially the entire election year leading up to that, so I could. Well, understand. let's address that because a lot of people point that out about right. the, the, you know, Garland versus the unknown nominee here, um, you know, saying okay, where there was the the Biden rule, right? Uh, but but let's let's remember what's important here. If if um, if Chuck Schumer had been the majority leader in 2016. When President Obama nominated Merrick Garland to be an, an associate justice for the Supreme Court, do you think Chuck Schumer would have, he, he would do exactly what Mitch McConnell's doing right now? The important thing here is the, the party in power. Right. You know, as long, as long, and the, that's what people forget about the nuance of the Biden rule is that as long as the, both the Senate and the White House are controlled by the same party, hey, there we go. Mm-hmm. Christina, what do you what's what's your takeaway with this? Yeah, there's so much to respond to. Um, so I jotted down a few words. Hopefully, I get it all in. But you know, like Ron, I'm a little skeptical of her dying wish. You know, I don't want to be a truther about this, but you know, that just seems like an extreme thing to go out on. You know, that might not even be fulfilled, right? And who knows if she actually said it or not. And you know, again, I don't want to be some crazy extremist. Yeah. You know, but it just it seems to be very politically convenient and that's actually I don't think that's who um now I have to make sure I get this right RBG you know I don't I don't think that's who she was um and you know that's Maddie Downson <laughs> I saw that eye roll <laughs> um so you know I think it's sad that she's become this political flashpoint um I yeah. see these young liberals who are like fuck rbg how dare she not retire during the obama administration and she's so selfish i mean that that's just crazy right, right. and and yep. maddie gave like a beautiful tribute to her her legacy and you know there i think she's more she she's from a bygone era not maddie but you know yeah. our rbg yeah. uh 
where you know you people were civil to each other. Her best friend was Scalia, mm -hmm. um, and um, you know I, I think she did fight for women's rights. I, I if I get if I'm getting this correctly, she I think fought to have women be um, accepted to the Virginia Military Institute. At least I think that's what I remember from um, the Daily podcast. I don't I. I'm really annoyed by the New York Times Daily podcast, but uh, this one was actually, was actually <laughs> good <laughs> because it, it talked about, now this goes back to the difference between her as this icon and her in reality. Mm. Um, so she didn't even fully support Roe v. Wade. She wrote an opinion, not sorry, not an opinion. I don't think she had joined the court at this time. Um, but yeah, she that was 73 she wrote yes she wrote something saying she didn't she didn't support 100 percent because she thought it was too broad and she thought this was best best left to the legislative branch and she didn't want any kind of she didn't she didn't agree with any kind of sweeping legislation on something so you know um uh i guess dramatic and um this was you know when she was young but when she first got into harvard uh all the women in the class were invited to a dinner I think it was like 12 women and asked why they chose to study at Harvard Law School. And she said, so she could better understand what her husband did. And so, yeah, she was not the feminist icon that she, you know, that we all sort of mm. celebrate her as. Um, of course, she, she, I'm sure she changed her views from, from then on, but right. um, according to this, this podcast who interviewed uh, this, this um, reporter who, you know, reported on her, her, her whole life, um, RBG voted with conservatives more than liberals on the Supreme Court. And I'm surprised you didn't bring this up, Eric, but she called uh, Kaepernick's protests stupid. Yeah, well, I, I remember that. I just, I couldn't really confirm whether that was a meme or if she actually said those things. So that's why yeah. I didn't say it. So I'll yeah, defer so to you because you're the actual <laughs> reporter. So. <laughs> so. so I'll pull up the CNN. Um, okay, sorry. She says, dumb and disrespectful. So she said... I think it's really dumb for San Francisco. For, so, quote, I think it's really dumb, end quote, for Kaepernick and others refuse to stand for the anthem. She wouldn't lock a person up for it. Um, but she said, I think it's a terrible thing to do. I would point out how ridiculous it seems to me to do such an act. So, I mean, that's something that, like, I think yeah. a lot of people are sort of conveniently um, looking well, over not to take anything away from her amazing, you know, legacy, but it's just, she's become this, like, almost like this, um, oh, I wouldn't say cartoon, but just this, this flashpoint, and it yeah. really doesn't do justice to who she was. Well, I think it's also, as you stated before, it's, it's the error where she came from, right, where people probably couldn't really, put it this way, the, 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 the modern right and the modern left today were not where she came from. And that's what Ron points out perfectly. Like, do you think President Obama or President Trump would even think to nominate someone to the court who was a completely opposite of side of the political spectrum from them? I No. But that was what I was talking with Maddie about last night. And Ron, I will go come back to you on this and then let, get Maddie to, to react as well. But I didn't notice because I never really paid attention as much. I never really noticed just how politicized the Supreme Court was until 2012. And it was when I was telling Maddie about last night, it was when Chief Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts actually broke with the 
conservatives on the court and sided with the four liberal justices. You did that Brinky air quote thing, dude. Yeah, I did. But but he upheld. I remember this was like the first time I was like, man, it's the fucking Obamacare. It's the individual mandate. I got to see how this goes. And I was like, they were five four. So you kind of everyone thought it was going to go, you know, the conservative route. But Chief Justice Roberts broke with his party, I guess, or whoever, and he sided with the four justices and upheld the individual mandate on the on the Affordable Care Act, which in turn upheld the entire act and made it constitutional. Um, when that, if you remember 2012, that went on to just be a bad year for Republicans overall. They lost, Mitt Romney lost the general election. They lost seats in the House and the Senate. It was just a bad year for Republicans. And it started, in my opinion, with that. Okay, they, the Democrats kind of rebounded from 2010 when the Tea Party movement came in and, and, and took the House back. But Ron, do you, do you ever recall the Supreme Court in your time being as politicized that it has become, or is this? Oh, yes. Oh, definitely. Of, okay. Oh, gosh, yes. I mean, um, I mean, you go back to the Warren court and, uh, and the, uh, the decision to uh, desegregate schools oh, yeah. as correct as that decision is at the time, it was deemed very, very controversial. I mean, I remember in the, uh, in the seventies, uh, Boston having, having, I don't want to call them race rights, but, you know, peaceful yet fiery protests uh, against school busing and mm. um, things like that. Uh, also, you uh, you need to recall uh, the uh, the way they treated uh, uh, Justice Clarence uh, Thomas. Oh yeah, I, I uh, brought that up to Maddie. I mean that well. that was I mean that that was that was the I think the first instance, and then afterwards uh, the way um, you know they they treated Robert Bork. Yeah, the um, and. Um, so there, there's, there's been, it's, it's always been very political, and I find it always interesting that the, that the, that the, the Democrats um, seem to, uh, they rely more on the courts than they are than they can on, on convincing the public of good ideas, of trying to pass good legislation. So they, they, uh, they will get judges to, uh, or in a in, in the different uh, federal courts, uh, appeals courts and Supreme courts and things like that to, um, to get them to, to do injunctions. I mean, you know, we always, you know, everybody in the country likes to joke about the ninth uh, circuit of court of appeals there out in, right. what is it? San Francisco, yeah. you know, that seems to, uh, you know, rule by judicial fiat, you know, federal judges in, you know, pick, pick a, pick a federal judicial district making a na- nationwide pronouncement on something in, you know, out here in, in, in the Dakotas or Montana about the, uh, the Keystone pipeline. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it just becomes, it becomes ridiculous. It seems like, uh, the, so yes, not just the Supreme court, but the federal judiciary has become very politicized by the Democrats, which is why the president, I think rightfully is, is trumpeting. I have to put that word in there. Maddie. Um, uh, sorry. It's, <laughs> uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the appointment and, uh, you know, confirmation of what 200 federal judges. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's very remarkable. And that, and that, you know, and that's why for I life. Think, yeah, exactly. And that's why the Democrats are so upset because they're losing that last bulk word and they realize their their uh, their kit bag of ideas is totally freaking empty. I'm trying to improve my language. I'm trying to. <laughs> no, no, look, hey, Christina I don't want to drop any f bombs. First... Somebody Christine else gets dropped... to drop an f bomb first. She already did. Christina already dropped the first f bomb. All right, there you go. 
Pay the fuck attention, Ron. I mean, okay. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> All right, Maddie. So, okay, before you react, I know there's a lot for you to respond to, but as you know, it is. It's politics as usual. The 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 party in power gets to do what the party in power gets to do, and so Trump will nominate a woman. So first, how do you feel about that? But then also respond, I guess, to everything you've heard over the last several minutes. There's a part of me that says, I, I, I really don't necessarily, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a woman. Uh, if they're the most qualified individual, I, I want on the Supreme Court the most, what? I like you can't hear, can you guys hear me? Hey, she's back. <laughs> can you hear yeah. that? Cause I can't. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were lip reading. There will now? be banter lip reading. <laughs> can you hear me now? <laughs> Oh my goodness. We, we can got to invest now. in her studio setup. Stop putting pillows over the mic. Yeah. No, 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 no. I am um, not. Um, while I appreciate his focus on replacing the, the notorious RBG with a woman, my opinion is I, I who's the best candidate? Who is the best? possible legal mind to do justice to it's fair the highest court in the land um but if it just happens to be a woman that's fantastic um i believe the front runner right now is i'm probably going to annihilate the pronunciation i think it's the woman from miami right the cuban amy coney barrett i believe yep yes correct um, it's been a front runner the last two times right yeah and I think that what I'm a little upset about is that there's, well, I mean, I'm not surprised. And actually, you know what, I'm not upset about it because it's to be expected, but there's so much rhetoric going on right now about this justice's background and whether or not she's fit to sit on the highest court. And predominantly the Democrat, there's dissension, I, I believe, within the Democratic Party about some senators being vocal about the fact that she's Catholic and that has made their way in, that has made its way into her rulings and that has swayed her opinions and her judgments. And I, I don't know, like there's a part of me that's like, okay, what, what do I believe here folks? Um, and so finding that information and trying to understand if truly she is the best for our country has been a little bit murky to me. I'd love to hear the opinions of everybody else on this panel. Um, but that's, that's where I, I worry a little bit where I'm like, okay, I, I, I see where the Democrats are going in that. And specifically, I believe it was Senator Feinstein who said, you know, in, in committee, you are not fit to sit on this court because right, when she was being confirmed for her appeals, her appeals uh, seat. Right. Yeah. But, um, but nobody ever brought up Ruth Bader Ginsburg's Jewish faith. And she was, yeah. and she was a, a, a strong adherent of her, of her Jewish faith. Right. Yeah. So I, I well, just find that remarkable that suddenly um, Christianity, Catholicism, you know, right. Catholicism, blah, 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 whatever. There we go. Yeah. We thank you. It. Yeah. Too, yeah. too much of the or of the golden liquid. It's never here. too much, Ron. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So well, that, this is another thing I was talking with Maddie about last night. And uh, Christine, I want to get your take on this is like, when did it become, and I know because you know, it starts, it started from 
Robert Bork when, you know, just at the time, Senator Kennedy opened up with this like scathing, like just absolute evisceration of this man's life because he was not a quote liberal. Um, but when did it become just acceptable or Christina, if you don't know, it's fine, but still react because I know you've seen it with the, with the recent nominations, all of them. Why do these people who get nominated for the Supreme Court, since when did it become normal to just tear apart these men and women's lives as if that's what we're supposed to be discussing, right? Like, Yeah, I mean, so I haven't really paid a lot of attention to the Supreme Court over the years, um, but I mean, I paid close attention to the Brett Kavanaugh yeah. uh, nomination, and that was just, that was just, horrible. I mean, that was a complete spectacle. Um, you know, I, it was, it was very just intrusive and just sad. It was, it was crazy. And I actually don't think we've, we, we haven't hit crazy yet on, on this nomination. You know, right now it's all about the Breonna Taylor yeah. decision, but it's like, no, that's going to get brought up. Yeah. How do you feel about Breonna Taylor's case? You know, you know all it's gonna. Someone up there is gonna say that. I'm sure the sign printers are printing up all the signs, you know, to stop pick pick the pick the name of the of the nominated justice. You all is printing up to a van right now. Just like they did with Kavanaugh, they had they had numerous different signs printed up for all the all the top five candidates to hand out to the protesters in front of the Supreme Court and the Senate and elsewhere. But so let's say, Christina, let's just let's just. I think I said this with Maddie last night as well. I said, let's just, let's just pretend you get nominated. You're nominated to go be, because uh, you don't, there's no real qualification to be a Supreme Court justice. You just have to get nominated and pass the confirmation hearing. Would you, would you put yourself and your family and your, your soon-to-be fiance or husband through that? Actually, that's not true. You don't have to get past the confirmation hearing. You have to get past the, the United States Senate confirming you that's the that's what the constitution says it says yeah. advice and consent of the u.s senate there's nothing about judiciary committee confirmation hearings and all that other okay you know media spectacle sorry right no, no yeah i get that okay that you're right that is the, and that's what i said to maddie last night is like it's this stuff probably wouldn't go on if it wasn't broadcast it's so because there's cameras there let's turn it into a turn it into a, here we go first f-bomb let's turn it into a fucking show <laughs> no everything i think since Trump's election, everything that would be otherwise normal has turned into just one never-ending show. <laughs> you know? Ooh, an S-bomb. Yes. <laughs> She's diversifying her profanity. I like it. I, I like that. <laughs> it's the Christina Wong show. We're just here. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and yeah, so I mean, I think we're going to be in for, we're, we're going to be in for a, 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 you know, a big thing. I like, like you said, Eric, I mean, it's like Democrats, I think it was Eric or Ron, but Democrats have sort of, they're, 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 they're banking on whoever is going to be the next justice for, you know, the outcome of the 2020 election, mm -hmm. the immigration, healthcare, abortion. I mean, you know, I was, I don't know how much I want to get into this, but this is sort of why I told um, someone in the other room to just go ahead, register with Democratic Party. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, just imagine, you know, um, you have, you know, Dems take the Senate. Uh, they turn, you know, we, we had, I think, for the first time, the House uh, vote for D.C. becoming a state. 
then let's say you get two more Democratic senators. Puerto Rico, right. And they turn Puerto Rico yeah. into two more Democratic senators. And then you, they're pushing for the end of the filibuster, Democrats are, and uh, two more uh, Supreme Court justices. Then it's like, you know, they can just, they just want, you know, then they can push their agenda through without the popular support or without um, sufficient support from from the whole country. Yeah. So, I, you know, uh, that's that's kind of the scary thing. And 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 uh, historically, so maybe not in 2016, which is sort of problematic. But historically, um, there's been you know 29 vacancies uh, on the Supreme Court during a presidential election year, and the president has made a nomination 29 times. 17 of those times when the president and, and the Senate are of the same party, the person has been confirmed. And there's only been two times where uh, the, the president is not of the same party as the Senate that someone's gotten confirmed. So that's kind of like, yeah. you know, the oh. history. Although I would say the 2016, you know, made it a little bit more difficult, made it a little bit more murky. Yeah, and I think the reason it's more of a show now is after what Harry Reid did before he left the Senate is uh, it, it used to be 60 votes to become confirmed, and now it's just the majority. So now whoever's the majority party gets to make the fucking charade, or at least to prove it. But we're going to go through the charade you know, regardless. Uh, anybody else? Any, any last parting shots on that before we transition on? Well, I think Christina forgot the most important change that, that, that a, a Democratic Senate Congress would want to implement is, is get rid of the Electoral College. And, and that would, of course, be a constitutional amendment, which would, we'll never, we'll never get through the states that will lose whatever leverage we have, you know, yay, South Dakota. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I think Maddie might want to Maddie might want to weigh in on this because I feel like uh, based on a conversation we had a few weeks ago, I think she's in favor of getting rid of the electoral college. This, I feel like if I do comment on this, we're going to open up this uh, <laughs> debate and not be able to move on to the next topic of conversation. I mean, a six pack can of worms, or or you might end up on the couch tonight. I or... that's a, you have a great couch. You know that already, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, I, look, if you want to talk about getting rid of the electoral college, feel free to have at it. I am a big fan of the electoral college because people like Ron, who live in South Dakota, should not be subjected to the whims of those who live in states like California. Whims. whims. Exactly. Exactly. Whims. I mean, think whims. about it. If. <laughs> And vice versa. With, with, without the electoral college, dictate how people in California live. Well, actually, we should because you guys would live a lot better. <laughs> we have no state income tax. Thank you would have more that. money in your pocket, Maddie. That's right. I'm, I, my home record is Florida, so I have no state. Income and we have a budget surplus. So yeah. So yeah. But 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 hey. So seriously, I mean. Our, our, whole, our whole system of government is, is, is federalism. It's based on checks and balances. Without the Electoral College leveling the playing field, despite, you know, majority vote and all that, you know, the popular vote propaganda that we've been fed for the last three and a half, four years. I mean, states, you know, the, the New York, California, pick another couple populist blue states would, would, would rule the country. And the rest of us would either be like um, District 12 in the Hunger Games and, you know, fulfill whatever central city needs, or we'd, uh, we'd break apart. And, and I think 
the wisdom of the founders yeah. is is really imperative and 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 I would encourage everybody that listens to this to if to read the Federalist Papers. Yes, it's great cure for insomnia, but to read the Federalist Papers, <laughs> they, they're short. They're they're only like forty pages, um, but also read the U.S. Constitution and try to understand what what the founders have envisioned and why, you know, yes, majority rules, but also there has to be respect for the, for the smaller states. It's the same reason that the House of Representatives, you know, is 435 representatives based on population, but also each state has two senators. So it balances us out. Mm. It's, that's the way I think with, without it, this, this whole country falls apart and it becomes it becomes a massive shit show because there is no way that the people out in the Rocky Mountain West and the, and the Midwest are going to allow the Governor Newsom and Governor Como and and that sort of policies to yep. dictate the rest of the country. That that'll never work. Well, I mean, I mean that kind of ties into something I said in the group chat this morning, where people were discussing, you know, the legalization of certain. Uh, drugs if that's what we're going to talk about and i said you're right yeah it, no we're that, not going to talk about that i know but this stuff it, it's like you're saying though some of that though some of those ideas work when you're in the middle of nowhere but they don't work when you're in a highly dense populated city like san francisco or new york or los angeles whatever so right and 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 that goes both ways like neither side should be able to dictate how the other is and that's right you know and you point out the federalist papers and everyone loves the musical hamilton but no one wants to actually read what the man wrote because he did a ton of writing. He wrote the Federalist Papers. So, you know, when you have some time, when you're done watching the musical, maybe well, go read what the actual guy wrote and stop paying. Well, him and, him and Madison and John Jay and a few others, yeah. But, yeah. yeah. I'm just saying. I was forced to read them in, in high school. I know. You're not – people aren't anymore, babe. <laughs> I mean, all you have to do, all you have to do is get on, get on Twitter for about five seconds and yep. look at, look at the, the disintegration of American civics. People do yeah. not understand how – I mean, they haven't even watched Schoolhouse Rock, and that's easy. How? Yeah. How? How is the bill made? You know, it's yeah. I don't know. Um, I'm serious. That's no. He's not wrong. I'm walking up the Capitol steps. Yeah. Now. You know what's funny about that? Is everyone laughs, but that video. I, I can't remember. It was it was one of my classes in uh, at the University of Central Florida for political science. We watched that video on how a bill is. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't do I didn't do that in high school. I we didn't. And that was Florida. Now, I don't know how that you went to Maddie, you went to high school in New York? Uh yeah. Upstate, okay, yeah. yeah. Upstate New York. Okay. So yeah. I I know how this the uh, New York has a great public education system when it comes to high school. Florida does not. Okay. So well, yeah. All right. We we've touched on all that. We can discuss you know tearing down the electoral college later. Uh let's move on. Uh Ron, this was something you mentioned and you you know I know we wanted to transition to it, but Jake Gardner, uh, Omaha bar owner, prior service Marine, diagnosed with, uh, I think, a few uh, brain injuries during his time in, in the Marine Corps. But he ultimately ended up taking his life while in the process of surrendering because a grand jury in Omaha, Nebraska, indicted him for murder of James Skurlock, uh, who he killed. And uh, in in, in what if you read about it, it, it reads like self-defense. Uh, and an incident on in the May thirtieth, um, the district. I, I thought it was manslaughter, but, but was it man okay? It's manslaughter. Uh, either way, with with the multitude of charges, he was facing essentially ninety years in prison. Okay, so it wasn't 
Right. There was but it was, no in, it was interesting. That originally, the DA declined to press any charges. Right. And then, and then based on, on public – and this happened – let's remember, this happened May 30th before yep. – before all the, the Minneapolis and all the other things blew up, Atlanta and, and Louisville, et cetera. Um, but based on public you know, uh, uh, pressure groups against the DA, uh, he re, uh, reopened it, uh, formed, had a special prosecutor, special grand jury impaneled, and they came back with these indictments. Um, yeah, it just, you know, and it's, it's tragic um, yeah. that, you know, he, he lost his bar lease or leases to his yeah, various bars in Omaha. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, uh, his, his GoFundMe page that was created on his behalf was, was, was canceled by the GoFundMe people, the corporation, whatever. I just, but what really bothers me most about the whole, the whole tragedy of, 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 of Mr. Gardner is that people on the internet um, were, were cheering his death. Yeah. So, you know, supposed politicians and, and, and thought leaders, you know, want to be serious people are cheering his death. You know, another white nationalist, another Trumper, another, you know, racist, blah, 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 you know, has, has offed himself, you know, and it's, it's the flip side of, of, of the Rittenhouse uh, thing from Kenosha where people in the right wing were cheering his actions in, in, in killing those two gen- those two people i won't call them gentlemen but those two people and justifying the killing by well one of those guys was a convicted sex offender and and, and et cetera et cetera yeah we're a nation of laws and if we don't adhere to the laws and and not give in to public pressures and and and, and suddenly become you know individuals become judges and juries and and executioners I mean, this country begins to, you know, fray at the seams and, and, and that, that weakens our whole fabric. And that's, that's not a good thing. And that's, that's the reason I, I suggested this subject was yeah. I was really distraught by the, the reaction of, you know, political leaders in both Nebraska and, and Portland, Oregon, where, where Mr. Gardner, you know, killed himself and, and other national you know, media types that cheered his death. That was, it was just disgusting. Yeah. So uh, we, we talked about this briefly, but Maddie, what was your reaction as you went through this? Uh, I have so many questions. My first reaction was what I did. There were so many things that I, I felt like all the literature, all of the, 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 um, the articles that were written about it, I had to go back and reread a couple of times, to be honest with you. I was like, wait, what happened? Wait, what? Uh, what? Uh, my, but overall, my first reaction was, this is just a no-win situation on all sides. Um, it, it, it just felt like one of those bad, horrible French movies where you watch it and you still don't understand what happened and it makes you depressed and walks when you walk away angry and sad. Um, well, you watch Tenet in French? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, we watched Tenet, but we didn't finish Tenet. You told him? <laughs> oh, I told everybody Lord. that we watched Tenet and it was awful. Nobody I'm- go watch Tenet. Sorry, I had to, I had to throw a little humor in there. You left it wide open, Maddie. Come on, don't get me started, man. I'm, I'm about to write a very angry letter. <laughs> the director of that movie. No. Um, I, I just, 
there were so many things about it that I, that just felt bungled on all sides. And, and I think it just speaks to the fact that as a nation and as a country, we're so angry in so many places. And at that particular point in time, I can't help but wonder, like, as Eric had mentioned earlier, what would the situation have been different if that had happened, that incident had happened after everything in Minneapolis and all in Atlanta and I, I, I feel like what the biggest issue is here is that there is an absence or, of presence of sound mind, of somebody to say, hey, this is not the way. I understand you're angry. I understand you're upset. The world is scary right now. You may feel like you are not being heard or seen and um, that people in power are not doing you justice and that enough is enough and you need to express how you feel, but the way that you're doing it is not the way. I mean, what I, I'm, I'm the type, Eric will tell you, I'm the type of person that will give everybody the benefit of the doubt. And when I first read the article, I thought to myself, everything that I see here looks like self-defense. Everything that I see here points to mental health issues and potential questions about how we treat our military after severe head trauma injuries and things like- A whole other show. Which is a whole other show, a whole other show and, and a host of issues that I personally don't understand because I'm not a veteran. I've never fired a gun in my entire life. I don't know what it's like. Say what, Eric? You've never taken her out to the range? We're trying to get guns still, Ron. We're in California. I've, as I put out in the chat, there's nothing here. It's all it's gone. It's all bought up. <laughs> I will say this. The things that really I'm I, – when I read the articles, I was like, whoa, guys. Like this – what? Um, so, 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 so some of the things I, nodded, I jotted down. I don't understand what the fuck up was with the whole warrant process. Everyone has dropped an F-bomb tonight. I like it. Okay, go. I don't understand what the fuck was about the terrorism charges. Ron, I think I watched a podcast with you and Eric earlier, maybe like a month or two ago, where you read the definition, or it might have been Nick, somebody else, who read the very definition of terrorism. And I thought to myself... Where, how did we go from the DA originally saying that this guy acted in self-defense to all of a sudden appointing a special prosecutor, turning around, now this guy is facing charges 95 years, I think it was 95 years. Yeah, it's the Twitter mob, that's what we're alluding to. Assault, account of terrorism, and the grand jury indicted him on all of those Mm -hmm. things. And, and, And I, I just, I feel like there's a major section in the middle that I don't understand and that I don't have visibility to. And I tried to look up the, de- the, the details of what the grand jury saw in order that led to the indictment of those charges. And I can't find them. And that's the thing that pisses me off the most is where is the visibility into this information that can help inform the world about what's truly happening. And that's where I get worried for our country. Well, Maybe I'm not digging far enough down. Into well, grand jury proceedings and, and the way they're conducted, those are, those are confidential, but, okay. All right. but, 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 you know, the, the, I'm sure the way that the, uh, the prosecutor that was uh, presenting the case to the grand jury, um, you know, he, the way he presented things to the grand jury, I mean, words matter, how do you present them matters. And if the grand jury didn't ask, you know, good interrogative questions, yeah, I mean, I could see that. I think Maddie is alluding to the lack of the, some sort of process because the DA did find 
that Jake Gardner acted in self-defense. And then, so I found an article that said he met with activists. And after that, that's oh, yeah. when he appointed the special counsel, a black special counsel. And, you know, uh, Ron, you said that the tw Twitter and the mob has become the judge during execution. Yep. And that really struck me because I think it's in true. this case, we're, we're seeing that it's true. And, you know, um, I think we're seeing, uh, you know, it, it all starts on social media, but now we're seeing street justice. So we've seen, we're seeing the Twitter mob move to the streets. And so you've got mob rule, you have actual street justice. And it's, as we've seen, it's, it's a successful model. So it's encouraging more and more people to go out to the street. And, um, you know, and, and that's why these people, they're celebrating this because it's like street mob justice worked in this case and um i've seen just over you know trump's administration just the left and maybe even before this but i i wasn't paying attention but the left has become you know kind of what what they hate they've sort of dehumanized trump supporters to and oh, yeah. you know well, yeah oh, yeah we, we right just talked about the, the 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 yard sign of the the <laughs> I felt I'm, I'm in fear for my life. I'm a PhD from Brown University, but I'm in fear for my life. Oh my God, a Trump sign. Yeah, it's just, yeah. no, I, I see what you're saying, Christina. Um, well, the thing, Christina, is, is to remember historically, and, and Robespierre found this out in, in, during, the, during the French terror after the French Revolution is, yeah, the, the mob once incited, you know, knows, has no direction. It just goes off what, whichever way and... I mean, and the guillotine will, will take everybody and anybody that shows up. And it's, I'm sorry. It's, I mean, you got to go back historically and look at the French terror. And it was, it was, I mean. It was brutal. It was. It has nothing on what's going on today. No, not, not yet. And, and or what's going on today has nothing on that. Well, and that's what I, this is what I contend. And, and I know others I think Ron maybe even disagrees, but I still hold on to this at this point is I don't think these people are capable of, you know, they're out there, they can, they can cause some mayhem and they can do what they do, but they're not capable of taking and holding territory, number one, but they're also not capable of actually, I think these people are going to get to our leadership in any, but, any, and, you know, they're but, not going to. Let's, let's use this how let's, I feel at this point. Now, let's use, let's use the ISIS model. They don't, they don't, you know, so the you know, ISIS, you know, gained and held territory but yeah okay so their their territorial gains have been erased right but it's still an idea al-qaeda is still yeah. an idea no their ideas they persist i just don't think anyone yeah, but like who really prescribes to antifa outside of this super super fringe like they don't they're not making their case ron you talked about this to make your case to these people, right? You have to make your case. We, we ran out of that. We're just assuming, and we've given up on preaching ideas. Antifa doesn't even try to make an impressionable case. They don't, they don't make their they, case. They just cause- They don't have, they have, they have there's, there's, there's enough- you, It's the you same know, as going, Occupy Wall Street. Like they didn't- Well, there's, a, there's, enough, there's enough passivity out there, you know, and, and those pass, you know, you know, by not saying, you know, you know silence is consent. And you know the the old uh, the the seventies terror model in in Germany, um, the Biter Meinhof gang and the Red Army faction. You know they were only what a handful of of folks. You know what less you know six eight people, um, but they had a super large. I mean w the way we did it was um, 
or we, we tracked them was, you know, here's the hardcore, you know, the, the, the actual people that did it. But then here's their, here's their infrastructure support of safe houses, the U-Haul truck rental people, yeah, if, you know, for, you know, for that sort of thing. And then outside of that is a much larger circle of people who passively support like, yeah, it's those bankers. Yeah. They're, they're all trash. Cause they, they killed a few, uh, you know, German bankers and industrialists and things like that. Yeah. The, the you know, they took the, uh, the, the rocket shot at the, uh, at the, uh, U.S. Army general um, in Germany. Yep. Yeah, you know the, the American occupiers, you know, that sort of. Thing. I, so it, it, I don't know. Christina, you look like you have something to add. Yeah, no, no, it's crazy because I, I kind of saw what you were talking about. So I went out to my first protest yesterday. Last night, yes, you did. And it was because um, I saw that they were in the vicinity. I won't say exactly where, but um, you said last night. <laughs> I, didn't, I said when but not where but uh she dropped so, in right after the, the report on it i liked it it was good i um so i i mean i i have been avoiding these protests and it's funny because i'm not actually very far away from all of it um but i and but i've never heard it so it's almost like i'm insulated so i saw that they were kind of where i was and i ran out um much to the chagrin of um my employers who are like <laughs> you know <laughs> be careful so um uh i saw the the structure and there are the lead agitators you know they're the ones who are have the megaphones they're the ones who are sort of leading and pumping people up and then you've got the very passive people who are just kind of walking along and maybe just shouting but not really aggressive and then you have like the people who are obstructing with their bikes they're not fighting but they're kind of doing some sort of resistance and then you've got these medics and apparently you've got legal people medics so whole, <laughs> yeah uh and there was there's a whole infrastructure of people and it's like by themselves they are so weak i mean I, I saw a, a, a clash between the police and um, the protesters, and that was like a, that you know that was a that, that was a huge adrenaline rush, um, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, and um, and uh, welcome yeah, to so combat. That, <laughs> yeah, that was, it was like exciting and scary, and uh, yeah, that, that was that was a rush. But combat. I, I forgot what I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> Um, shoot. Uh, okay. Well, you saw uh, the protesters and the organ. You saw the protesters and the police clash. Yeah. Um, and, and so, oh yes. Okay. So by themselves, very cowardly, you know, um, but in a group, you know, all you need is like that one agitator and then that's mob mentality. That's yeah. (laughs) That's all that is. and and this one this one guy who was like especially uh, very aggressive with the cops he got arrested the mob yeah. moved on and he's like why am I being arrested <laughs> <laughs> his friends are gone and he's like back to like Ooh, yeah you know? and and so it's very scary that like uh, you know even though um, you said you know who are these guys they're all you know out of shape <laughs> they're all pretty weak by themselves. Um, but together, you know, they, they're, they're, they, they, I don't know if this is, um, terrorist tactics or not. You mentioned ISIS, but together they're, they're kind of, um, 
their their challenge. Well, uh, I think, and Ron may be able to either back me up or he'll probably provide more insight. I think the very different the difference between ISIS and these people is ISIS is they they had a, a proclivity for violence and they were not afraid to do so. These people don't. I don't think they're ready for that. They're, but they're learning. But they're learning. I mean, it. I mean, they're not going to stick cops in 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 uh, fifty-five gallon drums and light them a fire like the yeah. the Jordanian pilot. But, mm-hmm. um, but they're learning, and they're uh, it's it's a skill set that that unfortunately they will they will gain. I mean, it needs to be stamped out quickly and early and often. And and Christina's those agitators need to be separated from the the fish. And uh, so they just will like hold up a sign and go, yeah, you know, whatever. But you get rid of those megaphoners and, and, and the organizers, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the, uh, the, the, the whips that, 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 that guide people along. And uh, you can, we can nip this in the bud, but in places like Portland, Oregon and elsewhere, it's, it's too far gone. I mean, now, now that the police are playing uh, defense and constantly retreating. So it's, yeah. All right. Well, so we, we've had a great discussion about a few issues and, but we're not going to end on negativity. Maddie, I'd like to thank you for filling in on for Veronica's absence and and doing your part, sipping the wine, sitting uh, atop your throne in the, uh, the other room. Um, But we're going to end on a positivity because if you've been following the goons, which uh, some of us are a part of, uh, but also if you're not and you've been listening to at least social media and some hashtags, you understand that we have put forth an effort to get Sergeant First Class Alwyn Cash, the Medal of Honor. Uh, we have the Operation Cash Money. We have the, his name is Alwyn Cash. But now Christina, who has written some articles on it, she's going to update us and take us out on a note of positivity and tell us what has gone on recently with this effort. Christina, what do you got? Yes. So the House just passed a bill that will allow uh, the White House um, to award or whoever, you know, whoever's in the White House to award um, Sergeant First Class Alwyn Cash posthumously the Medal of Honor long overdue, well-deserved. He rushed into a burning Bradley fighting vehicle to pull out six of his men. uh, While on fire. fire. So he was in a um, Bradley fighting vehicle. He was in the gunner's position. It hit an IED. Um, He was only slightly injured, but he went back to pull his driver out who was in flames. Mm -hmm. He pulled him out, extinguished the flames, and then he went back and he went back for six more of his men. Mm-hmm. He pulled them out, he caught on fire and he kept on pulling them out. Um, and he was the worst uh, injured and um, he was flown, um, I think he was uh, in the hospital when he yeah, could. Yeah, when he passed, speak. yeah, a couple of weeks later after the incident. He, when he could speak, and this was in t- 2005, when he could speak, he said, how are my boys? Yep. And I believe four of the six died and he he wept and that that was all he was concerned about and before he died he said i had made my peace with god but i wasn't sure if my boys had um or and uh, i mean he was just focused on his men just throughout the entire time completely selfless um and so do the public pressure do the his family fighting 
um, public pressure from the goons. It's, it's a reality. The House passed the bill unanimously, um, and it's now heading to the Senate. Uh, Senator Tom Cotton, he introduced a bill um, along with uh, several other folks, but he's leading it, and uh, they're going to try to get that passed by unanimous consent. Um, I hear hopefully next week, and there's a lot going on, so I think people yep. have to keep the pressure pressure up for some yeah. sense. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, um, and, and this means a little bit more to myself just because, like I said, Sarum First Class Cash, uh, he's from Oviedo, Florida. Okay. I grew up and lived most of my life in Orlando. Oviedo is a suburb of Orlando. Um, when I was a drill sergeant in 2009 and 2010 at Fort Benning, this, this man had one of our, one of our drill sergeants was uh, in the third ID at the time served with him during that time and every time we had an opportunity he would recant Saren Cash's story. So Saren Cash's his name, his legacy, what he did, it's it's been a part of uh our lore within the army for several years. And yes, he was awarded the Silver Star. I don't want anyone to think like he's been forgotten, but the definition of the Medal of Honor reads like this man's story and I just hope we finally get this passed and I I get there's been a lot of progress over the last week and a half. Um, so yes, I hope this actually gets done. Uh, Christina, thank you for the update. Ron, take us out. What, what would you like to send out? <laughs> yes, that's Ron. Yeah, Mo, thanks. CIA spook. He's a man thanks. for words. What do you got? Nothing? I, well, <laughs> I, I think it's, a re, you know, re, remember to uh, re, respect one another like, like the four of us have done here. Um, you know, ideas are good. Uh, I, but you know, violence is bad. Um, and Maddie, gosh, darn it. Go to the range. You haven't learned any bad habits yet, you know? So, you know, and don't let Eric, Eric teach any bad habits and don't flinch when you pull the trigger. Don't anticipate, just, <laughs> just have fun and just, <laughs> I've been asking. If we could purchase feel the power, the state, we would, but. Dude, just take her to Nevada. That's another story for another time. But thank you for everyone joining in to us. Maddie, for filling in for Veronica. Uh, there will be banter. Remember, you may not think like us, but you probably think like one of us. Thanks for hanging out. We'll see you next week.